Hello and welcome to Onion Unlimited, the podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Torridon. So this time I'm just going to uh, bring you up to date with some of the things that have been happening to me in the last few weeks. It's been a while since I recorded a podcast. Um, I went through a bit of depression, actually, a, uh, a few weeks ago, and I didn't really feel like doing much at all, but I'm feeling a lot better now, and I've got lots of things to tell you about. So, first of all, Happy New Year. If you're uh, tuning in in uh, January 2022, I can't believe it's already 2022. Last year was a strange year for me, um, quite monumental in terms of uh, things happening. Um, 2021 was when I finally, in April of last year, told the Jehovah's Witness elders where to shove it and walked away from the JW cult forever. So no more attempts at reinstatement. I was done. Um, I'd tried to get reinstated several times as a disfellowship person, mainly because I was missing the familiarity and particularly my family, um, my dad and my two children that are still Jehovah's Witnesses that I have uh, no contact with now. Um, my ex-wife still a Jehovah's Witness, has decided to move house with my children, including uh, the youngest one, who's only 14, nearly 15. She's moved house and not told me where they've gone. So I've got no idea where my children are anymore, which was um, quite upsetting, but uh, I'm okay. I've, uh, I've dealt with that. I shouldn't really expect more. Um, that's the way that some people carry on. What else happened in 2021? I had therapy um, with a, a lovely therapist who really understood uh, some of the things I'd been through, both the abuse within my marriage and also the abuse within the cult, within Jehovah's Witnesses. And she really helped me to understand some of the things that I'd been through in the past. So if you are leaving Jehovah's Witnesses or if you've left Jehovah's Witnesses, um, I would highly recommend therapy, actually, um, especially if your exit is traumatic like mine was, involving a lot of uh, loss. So that was good uh, therapy that got me back on track again. And then later in the year, I started my Onion Unlimited uh, podcast, which started out as an XJW podcast. But I feel like I've said most of what I wanted to say really about the cult, um, about the beliefs not being true, also my personal journey through two disfellowshippings and my life as a Jehovah's Witness. I've told that story. Um, I don't really feel the need to keep revisiting that. The information is out there now on my Onion Unlimited website. 
There's a blog on there with quite a few articles about Jehovah's Witnesses and why it's not the truth. So I think this year the podcast and the website will be moving more towards uh, my spiritual journey, I think, particularly, and also my personal journey of uh, growth and development and some uh, exciting news which I've got to share with you which is drum roll I've got a girlfriend <laughs> can you believe that Daniel Torridan has a girlfriend um, if you've been following me on Twitter you'll know that um, I reached a point where I felt that it would be nice not to be on my own anymore. I've been on my own now for over two years in a small room all on my own through the whole of COVID, which has been quite a challenge. And at one point, I wasn't ready for another relationship. I was uh, My mental health was completely shot to pieces and I was in no fit state of mind to be any good for anybody, to be honest. But... Um, after exiting Jehovah's Witnesses, putting that behind me, going through therapy and so so forth, um, I began to feel much more like myself again. I do still suffer from depression and anxiety on occasion. Um, I think that's part of my nature, not just because of the trauma in the past, but just because of my, I suppose, quite sensitive nature. Um I'm quite the empath and creative. I've noticed quite a few creative individuals uh, often suffer with depression, bipolar disorder, those those kind of things. It's part and parcel of the uh, the package, really. But I was vastly improved after the therapy and especially after starting the Onion Unlimited podcast and getting my story out of my uh, system, I started looking towards the future more and thinking it would be nice to not be alone anymore, to, to find somebody that I could love, um, somebody that I could connect with and share my life with. And so <laughs> if you've been following me on uh, Twitter, you'll know that uh, one of my friends recommended that I join a dating site. I have very little experience of dating sites. I'd I did on one occasion check out the JW Match, I think it is, jwmatch.com. It's a, supposedly a dating site for Jehovah's Witnesses. But interestingly, when you set up your profile, you can select that you are disfellowshipped, which seems a bit odd. And I did. I actually set up a profile quite a, quite a while back now, actually. And I uh, I put that I was disfellowshipped. And surprisingly, I did actually get a number of supposedly Jehovah's Witness sisters, women, contacting me and saying, hello, you know, can we chat, etc. None of which I felt any kind of connection or attraction to. So um, that wasn't going anywhere. But I just thought that was... That was quite interesting. So that, that was one experience with dating, but somebody at dating websites, but somebody on Twitter, one of my friends recommended I join a particular dating website that would cost, um, I think it cost me £50. And I was only on there for, I don't know, two or three days. I looked through a few of the profiles of the, uh, the women on there. And I was... Uh, Somewhat disappointed, I think, in the state that 
some people have degenerated to in terms of what they feel is attractive. Um, what I mean by that is the amount of women on there, and I'm not just singling out women, I'm, I would imagine probably the same applies to fellas on dating sites as well, although I, I'm straight, so I, you know, I wasn't looking at that wasn't looking at the fellas but the uh the women on there so many of them were like pouting into the camera with these like massive lips you know like um sort of look like a, a duck um or something and i don't know it just looked so fake you know caked up with makeup just so fake almost like cardboard cutouts of the the same woman over and over Presumably people find that attractive. I don't. I prefer uh, people to be natural and authentic when it comes to their looks and particularly their actions as well. It, it just seemed, looking through some of the profiles, that they were just, I don't know, maybe trying a bit too hard, almost acting, trying to sort of put forth this kind of expected persona of what an attractive person should be. A lot of emphasis on um, the the physical side of things. I mean, quite a few of the women on there were in the section that says what they like. Um, it's a, it's a guy with good abs. I don't know. I, I just I just find that incredibly shallow. So yeah, I was quite disappointed with my uh, with my fifty pound expenditure on uh, on that website, and uh, I cancelled it I, almost immediately. I lost my money. Cancelled it because I just thought this is absolute complete rubbish um it's a complete waste of time this was october in 2021 and i was literally stood in my room and i just had this thought in my head of the person i would like to meet and be in a relationship with someone kind someone gentle preferably someone who's an ex jehovah's witness or had some experience of life in a cult Someone that understands abuse, trauma, that that side of things. Someone who maybe has been through the mill a bit and come out the other side stronger. Someone who's creative. Someone who loves photography and music. Um, particularly someone who's spiritual. Now, I don't mean religious because I'm uh, no longer religious. Not even Christian. In fact, Christian would possibly be uh, a disadvantage I think because even though I do still subscribe to a lot of Jesus teachings I don't follow any particular Christian denomination anymore I count myself as spiritual but not religious and my interests in spirituality tend to be more of the mystical type if you've been following my podcast you'll know that uh, I recently came out as pandeistic, which was a shock to uh, some people. I received quite a lot of uh, negative uh, criticism for being pandeistic. But yeah, spiritual, but not religious. Um, I've got a great interest in the universe and consciousness, and I was looking for somebody that was of the same mind, I guess. Uh, somebody that I could really connect to on on that kind of spiritual level, on that uh, mental level someone intelligent someone um, that I could converse with deeply someone that I could be really honest with as well someone that I could tell uh, my story warts and all the good things I've done the bad things I've done uh, the mistakes I've made and 
not feel put off by that. Someone that would actually value honesty. And I even thought I would like to meet somebody with a lovely singing voice. Singing is a big thing for me. I, uh, I'm a songwriter. Uh, I've been uh, uploading quite a lot of music recently that I've been writing. Um, I write ballads, uh, ambient music, uh, the occasional country song, rock song, that kind of thing. I write the music. I write the lyrics. Uh, I can sing. I do sing occasionally, but I'm not the world's greatest singer. And it, I always thought it'd be nice to meet someone that had a beautiful singing voice. I really find that attractive if she can sing beautifully. So that's that's uh, something that I also thought. Now, I was standing in my room and I had this these thoughts of my ideal person, the person I'd like to meet. And it was almost like a passing thought. It was kind of, I didn't particularly dwell on it. It was just, I just thought to myself, I'm done with the whole dating app thing. And um, this is what I would like. This, this is the person I would like to meet. And I put it out there into the universe, if you will, and didn't think any more of it. And then within 15 minutes... I found myself talking or chatting online with the most wonderful person I've ever met. It completely blew my mind away. Every single thing I've just said there, gentle, kind, ex-Jehovah's Witness, understanding, uh, creative, intelligent, someone with a beautiful singing voice, um, all of those things, she is. Um, how did we meet? One of my Twitter friends, uh, Larchwood, if you're out there, hello, they posted something on Twitter along the lines of we should have ex-Jehovah's Witnesses conventions where all the singles can attend. And I think somebody said, I'm not sure if it was Larchwood or whether it was uh, this person that contacted me, um, that... At their conventions, the single ones used to wear uh, a bracelet, a coloured bracelet or something, some some kind of identifier to show that they were single and available. And um, I, I made a post along the lines, just a comment, I'm available. I think that was my comment on, um, on, uh, on Twitter. And this person that, that later contacted me posted, um, I'm still available. <laughs> Or was it the other way round? I might have put I'm still available. That's right. Yes, I put I'm still available. And she put um, I'm newly available. And it caught my eye. I think there may have been a little bit of interaction there. Maybe I liked the post. I don't know. But then this person went and checked out my Twitter profile. And at the top of my Twitter profile, I actually had a list of who I am in terms of my my kind of uh, personal qualities and interests. The fact that I'm creative, spiritual, a bit of a recluse and so forth. And uh, this person left a, uh, a comment on that tweet that said, it's almost like you're in my head or it's like you're in my head, something like that. And again, it just caught my attention. Out of all the comments that float around on my Twitter feed, that one caught my attention and I I liked it and I just said, yep. And I 
don't even know how it happened after that. But within a very short period of time, we were direct messaging each other and um, just realized that we had so much in common. It was literally like just talking to myself um, but in a female form. And I felt an immediate connection, certainly on a uh, mental level and um, with regards to the creativity. The more we talked, we realized that we were spiritually compatible. We've got a lot of the same uh, spiritual views. And this is before even meeting the person. We'd not even seen photographs of each other, and unless you can count my uh, avatar. <laughs> which is not really a great representation of what I look like, but uh, there you go. So, yeah, it was very much a mental, spiritual uh, connection to start with, and that was in um, that was in October, October the 16th, I think it was, if memory serves me right. Uh, I'm not great with dates. Um, I know my girlfriend is, so she will probably correct me if I've got that wrong. Um, October 16th, that was. So we spent the next uh, week or two chatting. Um, we found that we were very, very compatible, um, not just mentally and spiritually, but also emotionally. Physically, obviously, a bit of a problem, um, or not a problem, a challenge. Let's call it a challenge. I used to work for a guy, actually, who uh, he said, uh, there are no problems, only challenges. In other words, uh, challenges have answers. The The challenge that me and my girlfriend face is <laughs> that we live nine and a half thousand miles apart. Uh, she lives in Australia. I am in the UK. So... Um, in terms of uh, the physical side of things, meeting up, that wasn't an option early on. But we definitely felt a connection there. I, I know I did. And after a couple of weeks of chatting, I all of a sudden, and it was the most strange experience, I started to freak out. I suddenly realised that what I'd asked for a relationship with a wonderful person, a close, connective relationship with a wonderful person that could very lightly develop into a romantic relationship, all of a sudden, I was in it. And I I, I thought, shit, <laughs> what's happening? Uh, what am I doing? Uh, this was October. I wasn't even divorced. Um, my d divorce actually came through November the 4th. And... Um, I was, yeah, I, I, if I'm honest, I had a moment of freaking out and I think it was, it was more self-doubt than anything. I wasn't sure whether I was ready, whether I was equipped to go into a relationship. Certainly didn't want to, you know, let the person down if that, if that was the case. I needed to be sure. I think that's it. I needed to be sure of how I felt. And so I, um, I suggested that we back off a bit, that we um, that we just be friends. I don't know how long it was, a week or two maybe, three weeks maybe, of being just friends. And I suddenly realised that I missed her uh, tremendously. I started to think, what a numpty. Honestly, what a numpty I was to run away from that. Um, but it, it was just that feeling of... Um, self-doubt um you know i've been bitten in the past 
with my uh, relationship with my marriage, as I've spoken about on the podcast before. And I think I was just nervous. It was all a little bit overwhelming. But the the period that we were kind of just stood back, um, I kind of evaluated things mentally and emotionally. And I realised I really did like this person. And yeah, I wanted to be in a... I didn't want to lose them. I wanted to be in a relationship with them. And uh, yeah, we talked. uh, We had a good long discussion. And things... We got back online again. Um, Not just online the internet, online our relationship. And ever since then, things have been great. I feel very relaxed about the relationship. I don't feel freaked out anymore. It's what I want. She's who I want um, and love and need. Um, I feel I feel like I've truly met my soulmate and my future. Things look a lot brighter with this person. We, we're making plans, lots of exciting things for the future that we're thinking of. And I just feel alive again. I feel very much my... Um, back to my old self in a lot of ways i do still get depression um and anxiety particularly when i think about my children and my dad shunning me but this person that i've met this wonderful person that i've met is everything that i want and need and makes me feel happy i think that's the thing and i i think i make her happy as well uh, we laugh together so that was my, that was my big news. Um, the uh, the dating site <laughs> dating sites were a complete disaster, but manifesting, telling the universe what I wanted that worked for me. So um, I've met someone that is all and more than I could ever uh, need or want. Um, just that she lives in Australia, so uh, that will be interesting. Whether we end up eventually in Australia or in the UK or somewhere else altogether we don't know at the moment but um, that's a uh, an adventure waiting to happen okay so what else has been going on um, my girlfriend uh, I like saying that that sounds nice my girlfriend even though I'm 52 um, my girlfriend is very much into uh, spiritual things, you know, crystals and healing and meditation and that kind of thing. And it's something I, I'm actually very interested in as well. Uh, I do feel that there is some kind of force or energy that pervades uh, the universe and our own bodies and minds whether that is consciousness or what some people would call spirit or Holy Spirit or I don't know, but there's something there. And um, I do believe we can connect into that by meditation, particularly. I've been looking into chakras, um, the seven uh, energy points in the human body that run from the base uh, of the spine up to the crown of the head. Uh, very interesting chakras. I don't know a lot about it at the moment, but uh, it's something I'm looking into. I actually got myself a little uh, chakra hanging ornament, which I've got on my door, which is very uh, decorative, but also a nice reminder of uh, the spiritual side of things that I'm looking into. My girlfriend bought me and sent me through the post uh, seven chakra candles, each coloured to the... uh, Each chakra has a a distinct colour. 
yellow blue uh, starting at red at the bottom and working through to purple at the top uh, and these uh, candles are different colors and different smells as well which is really nice so i've got the lids off of those uh smelling my my little room out which is quite nice these are all kind of things that as a jehovah's witness i would have never done or be been able to do because things such as chakras and meditation and yoga and so forth it's all deemed to be uh, spiritistic um as in to do with bad evil wicked uh, spirits satanic effectively whereas uh, i don't believe that i don't believe that at all i don't actually believe anymore in a satan i think it's possible there are bad spirits possibly or bad remnants of uh, consciousness. Um, that's another subject altogether, I think. But I certainly don't feel uneasy looking into things like meditation and yoga um, and chakras and so forth. I actually got a, a yoga mat uh, the other day. It's a bit long, actually. I didn't realise how long it was. It's actually, it's actually wider than my room. So I might need to uh, cut it down a little bit. But I got myself a yoga mat. Uh, I'm going to try some yoga. Again, something that as a Jehovah's Witness, I would never have uh, never have dreamed of doing uh, yoga. I'm not particularly very bendy, so I might just try some of the uh, sitting around positions to start with and uh, get back into meditation. Oh, I also got, um, I've got it here now, actually, uh, a Buddha, Buddha, Buddha uh, head. Uh, it's like a um, an ornament. It's a, it's uh, actually uh, an oil burner in the shape of Buddha's head, um, and you put water in the top and uh, smelly oil uh, oil scents, and you light a candle in it. And uh, I've got that burning at the moment. My room smells of apple at the moment. I've got apple, lime, and uh, sandalwood recommended to me by my love. Okay, what else have I been looking into? Oh, I've even been looking into uh, astral projection. There's something that I may very well make a full podcast on at some point, whether it's possible through the art of meditation to actually leave your, let your consciousness leave your body and travel elsewhere in the universe. I think that's probably very likely possible. I don't subscribe to the idea that consciousness is a byproduct of the brain i think consciousness is external and actually works upon the brain and the body i do believe that there is only one consciousness and that it is in all humans working upon all humans and animals and probably to a lesser extent even things like rocks and trees um the universe as a whole I think probably has the aspect of uh, consciousness to it. So that's something I will be considering a bit more astral projection. I have actually, I've always been uh, a dreamer. I don't mean a visionary. I mean a dreamer as in when I go to bed at night, I always dream um, very vividly, very, I always wake up the next day and remember my dreams. And I'm actually getting quite good when in the dream state of actually knowing that I'm in the dream state and being able to control what I actually do in that dream state. I, I believe it's called lucid dreaming. Again, not something I've looked into in great detail, but I will be um, doing some study and research on that. 
I very definitely am pandeistic. I have uh, I've considered lots of different options, but I do believe pandeism is the way to go uh, for me personally. In talking to one of my close friends about pandeism, I came to realise that perhaps sometimes there's a bit of a, a misunderstanding with uh, pandeism. The idea that God became the universe, that is pandeism in a nutshell. But that sounds on the surface, and certainly what my my friend, I think, thought I was uh, trying to convey to him, that God is dead, that God no longer exists. Um, that's not the case with pandeism. It's more a case that God transformed from one thing into another thing. He started, or it started, as a conscious singularity, uh, timeless, um, outside of space, space and time, not existing at the time, just an eternal consciousness, conscious force, and became the physical universe that we understand that we live in. Whether it is actually physical or not, I don't know. It may very well be that our reality is actually a conscious projection even. But the uh, the idea with pandeism is not so much that God is dead, but that God became the universe, that God is the universe, that God or this singularity of consciousness is now um, imbued in the universe itself and in everything through the rocks and the trees and the oceans and the skies and particularly is at work in us as humans. It's very much a Hindu kind of way of looking at things. I did actually have a discussion once with a Hindu when I was a Jehovah's Witness working on the Metropolitan Witnessing Carts in uh, Sheffield, I think it was. I, uh, I met a Hindu, lovely, lovely guy, and we got talking about God. And God, he, he started pointing to a tree and, and saying, God, that is God. God is, God is everything. God is in everything. God is through everything. And at the time, I didn't really understand what he meant, um, but now I do. Interestingly, <laughs> while I was, I was actually on... Uh, Cart witnessing. Uh, my job was to uh, try and convert him to become a Jehovah's Witness, but he actually told me that he, he was working on a, uh, a little market stall a bit further down the road, um, selling Hindu books. And during my lunch break, I actually walked down and saw him again and bought a copy of the Bhagavad Gita. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it. One of the uh, holy sacred writings uh, for Hindus. That was quite interesting. Uh, but yeah, I came away with a Hindu book when I should have been converting everybody to being a Jehovah's Witness. But um, there we are. I'm definitely pandeistic in my outlook. And recently I was also interviewed on the uh, Two Tongues podcast. Um, Chris and Carl interviewed me about my pandeism and they mentioned panpsychism which I'd never actually heard of but I looked into it and this also very much describes how I view things so panpsychism I've just pulled up the uh, page on wikipedia I'll just read it to you it says in the philosophy of mind panpsychism is the view that the mind or a mind like aspect is a fundamental feature of reality 
It is also described as a theory that the mind is a fundamental feature of the world which exists throughout the universe. It's one of the oldest philosophical theories and has been ascribed to philosophers including, and then it lists some, uh, including Spinoza, who I think had quite a lot to say about pandeism or at least pantheism. It also mentions that recent interest in the hard problem of consciousness and developments in the fields of neuroscience, psychology and quantum physics have revived interest in panpsychism. That really grabbed me because I do think what we think of as spiritual actually has an underlying scientific explanation that we perhaps just don't understand at the moment. Certainly consciousness, um, when it comes to things like quantum physics, these are things that are still very, very early in scientific research and understanding. And I do think this whole idea of energy running through the universe, through us, the whole idea of a singular consciousness that works upon everything is probably very, very likely related to quantum physics. It's most likely something that is happening at a very small, minute level, rather than looking for the answers out there in a bigger universe. I've even thought that God himself, as in the underlying ultimate reality that has produced this universe or from which this universe is emanating with the pandeistic model, most likely that God is not out there, certainly not transcendent out there, certainly not in space, not even out of space, but rather inside, within us, um, on an atomic quantum level. On a quantum level, I mean, when I think of atoms, for example, I think of them as being like little solar systems. And then, of course, you've got a much larger universe with planets and, and stars and everything moving around. And if you've ever looked at representations of the brain at work when consciousness is working upon it when you see the neurons firing and i've often looked at that and thought that looks just like a universe very very much like a universe with all its stars exploding and and so forth and it just makes me think that probably the answers we're looking for are actually on a much more minute inner um, quantum level that's where we need to look if we're looking for god or the divine so uh, yeah panpsychism pandeism the two for me tend to work um, close in hand with each other uh, the idea that there is only mind i think uh, that there is something to that that there is only consciousness um, a singular consciousness that is working through everything, that is projecting everything that we consider to be real. And essentially, when we are on our own and we're meditating and, and we're, we become conscious of the fact that we are conscious, when we're thinking about thinking, when we're conscious of the fact that we are, that we exist, I think we are touching on the fringe of what God is, um, which is why... Some years ago, I wrote a book uh, called I Am God. Again, that comes through very much in the uh, the Hindu thoughts. Obviously, for a Christian, certainly for a Jehovah's Witness, the idea that we are God in any sense, shape or form uh, would be blasphemous. 
um, but I don't I don't view it in that way. What else have I been doing? Oh, I've been watching the uh, three Matrix films, mainly because of the fact that there is a fourth one coming out soon. And if I don't watch the first three again, I'm not going to know what the hell's going on because um, they're quite complicated. But just the Matrix film, watch it, particularly that first one, watching that and realising that this idea that what we perceive as real may actually be a simulation, a projection of something that is underlying everything. That really resonated with me, uh, particularly as a Jehovah's Witness. There was a quote in the first Matrix. Let me just see if I can find it. Neo, uh, the, the main character, says, uh, I can't go back, can I? Talking about when he's been released from the Matrix and realises it's all been an, an illusion, a simulation. I can't go back, can I? And then Morpheus says, no, but if you could, would you really want to? When I heard that, I thought, wow, that sounds so much like Jehovah's Witnesses. When you wake up from Jehovah's Witnesses, when you leave Jehovah's Witnesses, it really is a shock to the system. It's like realising that your entire life of being a Jehovah's Witness, you've been in this kind of dream state. It's not reality. It's a cult-induced sense of reality but it's not real it's not the real world the way you think the way you act everything is so scripted and programmed and predictable and when you leave like i say it's a shock to the system you suddenly realize that there's been this real world out there all, all your life that you've never that you've never never really known about because you've been put off by it you've been told it's evil it's wicked there's nothing out there that's any good and so forth and sometimes because it is a shock to the system you certainly i did when you're first out of jehovah's witnesses you can long to go back to jehovah's witnesses many do or at least try to uh, i i did i tried to get reinstated um this time around and it wasn't successful in the end and i walked away but Back in 2009, I'd, I did get reinstated after being disfellowshipped for apostasy because I missed my family, I missed the familiarity, I missed the sense of surety and certainty, the answers that you're given, the hope for the future, um, the recognition from friends, uh, the approval from friends. And when you walk away from all of that, it can feel very stark uh, certainly in the Matrix film, the first one, when you look at the real world that uh, Neo and Morpheus and Trinity are in, um, it is very dark, very dark, uh, dingy, old, um, battered. And I remember when I first left Jehovah's Witnesses, walking around the town, looking at people and thinking, everything seems so grey it seems so grey and I didn't like it because in it, as a Jehovah's Witness, everything seemed so colourful. Um, everyone dressed so colourfully and there was this um, kind of colourful attitude all the time. You know, everyone was super, super happy, it seemed, although there was so much depression underlying it all. But um, yeah, when you when you kind of unplug from that, at first it can be a real shock to the system and you think... I need to go back. I need to go back. But the longer you're out, the more you realize that truth and integrity, if that means anything to you, 
dictates you can't go back. Uh, certainly, I couldn't go back now. I made certain that I couldn't go back as well. I uh, I actually burned my bridges, so to speak. If you remember from listening to my previous podcasts, there was a point where I was trying to get reinstated and I realised it was going to be completely pointless. The elders were very cruel. They obviously had in mind that they were going to make me jump through hoops for two or three years until I'd learned my lesson. And I something inside me just said, enough, I've had enough, I'm walking away from this. And after I walked away from that, I actually um, emailed all of the elders that I knew and told them I was never coming back because it was a cult. I didn't believe it. It was untrue. And I wanted nothing more to do with it again. Basically, I declared myself an apostate in writing to all of the elders that I knew. And I even sent... um, emails, messages to as many friends, as many Jehovah's Witness friends as I could at that moment as well, explaining the reasons why I was never coming back to Jehovah's Witnesses, that it was a cult, that 1914, 607 was uh, not true. I mentioned the Australian Royal Commission, the fact that uh, the organisation is not clean, um, certainly when it comes to uh, child abuse. It's not clean the way that it's handled things, the way that it's hidden things in the past. I mentioned the uh, United Nations, the 10-year period where the Watchtower Society was actually a member of the United Nations, a non-governmental member, uh, for 10 years until they were found out and then they very quickly dissociated from that. I mentioned a few other things, uh, the fact that the organisation really wasn't following the scriptures, if that was their intention, and that I wanted nothing more to do with that. So when I did that, that was very much, I felt like, burning my bridges. There's a quote by Sun Tzu, I think that's how you say his name, Sun Tzu, a quote that says, when your army has crossed the border, you should burn your boats and bridges in order to make it clear to everybody that you have no hankering after home. I I felt the need to do that because I thought if I didn't make a very clear, definite decision um, and state that it was a cult and I wanted nothing to do with it, burn my bridges, so to speak, um, I would always be hankering after home. I'd always be thinking, is there some way to go back for the familiarity, for the family and uh, and so forth. Um, but like Morpheus said, uh, no, you can't go back. But if you could, would you really want to? And I think the answer to that, despite all that familiarity and uh, family, um, despite being shunned and everything else, would I really want to be a Jehovah's Witness? No. The idea of going to meetings, apart from the social aspect, before and afterwards, sitting through all of those boring, repetitious cult Uh, cult-like meetings and talks. No, um, I have no interest in that at all. The idea of trying to convert other people to something that I don't wholeheartedly believe in. I always struggled with that. I was a pioneer most of my time as a Jehovah's Witness, spending up to 100 hours in the ministry each month. But I was always steering clear of guiding people towards becoming a Jehovah's Witness. I would engage in spiritual conversations I would talk to Hindus about their ideas of, you know, what God was and 
discuss all sorts of things with people. I, I'd encourage belief in Jesus um, in his the principles of love and forgiveness and so forth. But in terms of, you know, would you like a Bible study? Would you like to come along to the meetings? I used to really shudder at that thought. So, no, I wouldn't want to be a Jehovah's Witness again. And the idea of living forever on a paradise earth, which I had never really entertained anyway, having a more heavenly spiritual hope for the future. But the idea of living forever on a paradise earth run by Jehovah's Witnesses, an organisation, a governing body telling you where to live and what to think and what to do and what to eat and what to wear. And no, absolutely not. That would be like living in a matrix. I would much rather be in the situation I'm, I'm in now, which is reality, sometimes stark reality. It's not always very pleasant, but knowing that it is true and it's honest and it's in you know there's integrity there and when you make friends it's unconditional it's not filtered through a cult one of the things that my therapist pointed out to me was in a cult all of your relationships whether it's with your wife with your kids with your dad with your friends they're all in the form of a triangle you've got yourself you've got the other person and then you've got this third aspect of the cult everything is filtered through that so yes you love your children but you can't love them more than the cult or more than jehovah in a marriage they talk about a threefold cord everything is filtered through what would jehovah think of this it's not really about you and your wife it's about you your wife and god which if it was God, and if I felt God actually existed in that form, that even wouldn't be so bad. But it's not. When Jehovah's Witnesses speak about a threefold cord, it's not God, it's not Jehovah, it's the organisation. That's it. The organisation inserts itself into relationships, even into your bedroom, quite literally, as a married couple. And since leaving, I've found that the friends that I've got, some ex-JW, some that have never been Jehovah's Witnesses, I've even got friends that are Muslims, ex-Mormons, um, and so forth. Our friendships are not conditional. It doesn't depend on us believing the same thing, thinking the same thing, doing the same thing, acting the same way, dressing the same way. The differences are actually very nice. And even in my relationship with my girlfriend... Although we've got this natural connection where there's so many things that we are alike on, it's so lovely sometimes to find differences. Differences make you grow. Differences teach you things. And I, lo I love that. So, And again, that's an, an unconditional relationship. It's based on being honest, not necessarily being perfect. You know, this idea when you're a Jehovah's Witness, you always have to convey this idea of, perfection you know you you can't be having marriage problems that you know if you admit to that then that's a failure um you know your spirituality is uh, in danger or, or suspect it's so much better working outside of jehovah's witnesses where you can just be yourself other people are themselves you either like them or you don't there's no pretending and what at first looked very stark and grey to me has coloured up. As time's gone on, I thought, you know what, I actually, yeah, I'm comfortable with this. Um, I've met some lovely people online and in real life. 
certainly the idea that God is going to come and destroy eight, you know, Jesus is going to come and destroy eight billion people other than, uh, you know, the eight million Jehovah's Witnesses. That just doesn't sit right with me at all. There's some lovely, lovely people out there and some really not very nice people at all within Jehovah's Witnesses. So, uh, yeah, I've burned my bridges. I can't go back. Can I? No. Even if I could, would I want to? Absolutely not. So I've been watching the uh, the Matrix films, all three of them, ready for the uh, the new the new one that's coming out. Uh, that looks quite interesting. I've also watched um, since leaving uh, some 18, 18 rated uh, films, which you are not allowed to do as a Jehovah's Witness. If you sign up for Bethel, for example or any any form of uh, special full-time service, you're asked, have you watched any Certificate 18 films in the last year? I actually did watch one Certificate 18 film when I was a Jehovah's Witness, and that was actually with my dad, who is an elder, was an elder at the time. Uh, We went to see Saving Private Ryan, which I, I wouldn't say I thoroughly enjoyed because of the nature of the, you know, it's about um, Second World War. D-Day landings. I didn't exactly enjoy it from that perspective, but I I, I really enjoyed it from the <laughs> from the perspective that it was an excellently made movie. Uh, I learned a lot from it. That was a good, good, good movie, Saving Private Ryan. But that was only the ever 18-rated film that I'd ever watched, and uh, my dad and I were kind of sworn to silence, never to tell anyone that we'd watched it. Since leaving Jehovah's Witnesses, I've watched a couple of other 18-rated films. Uh, I watched uh, The Last Duel, a true story. Excellent. Uh, And I also watched a film recently called Brimstone. Uh, Not for the faint-hearted. Some of the subject matter could be quite triggering, particularly if you've been through abuse. But again, an excellent movie. Absolutely excellent movie, I found. I didn't feel bad about it. I didn't feel I'd committed some sin by watching those uh, those movies. So that, that was something new. Uh, I didn't celebrate Christmas this year. Not particularly because I've got anything against it, because, OK, it is pagan. OK, Christians do try to make it all about Jesus, but, you know, it has got pagan backgrounds to it. But I don't really care. I'm not Christian. I'm not pagan. So from that perspective, celebrating Christmas doesn't, particularly bother me one way or the other now but i just wasn't really bothered if i'm honest maybe maybe if i wasn't alone in my room you know maybe if i actually was with the person i love uh nine and a half thousand miles away yeah maybe maybe we would do something you know i don't know whether we'd go the full hog and put up a christmas tree and christmas lights and everything but you know a drink and some presents and uh, kiss under the mistletoe that would be nice but yeah i wasn't really bothered didn't didn't really do anything uh, i was actually a bit depressed over christmas actually i think because that's when everything happened 2 years ago my marriage breakup and being disfellowshipped and so forth finding myself homeless that was all over the christmas period uh, 2 years ago it kind of brings back back a few memories. I felt a bit depressed at Christmas, but uh, I slept it off. Basically, I spent Christmas asleep eating uh, pizza, a cold pizza, actually, the next day. But something I did do, which you can't do as Jehovah's Witness, was uh, wish people a happy new year. Again, I didn't particularly celebrate New Year. I didn't 
go anywhere. I mean, there wasn't really anywhere to go with COVID and what have you. But I, I laid on my bed and I looked out the window and I watched all the, the fireworks. That was nice. And I actually got to wish my girlfriend Happy New Year twice because she's in Australia. So I sat up and waited. Uh, she's 10 hours ahead of me. So she was actually in 2022 before I was. So, yeah, I I stayed up and uh, saw the new year in for her. Uh, wished her a happy new year. And then um, we I, I went to bed for 10 hours. And uh, when I woke up, it was my new year in the UK. And uh, she was still awake and uh, wished me a happy new year. Uh, so I had two happy new years this year, making up for all the years I've never had it. Um, interesting thing, happy new year. When people used to say to me, have a happy Christmas or have a happy new year, I was never one of these Jehovah's Witnesses that would use it as an opportunity to preach. You know, well, we don't celebrate Christmas and these are the reasons why, or we don't celebrate New Year and these are the reasons why. I I just used to say, if someone said happy new year or happy Christmas, I just used to say you too. That's That's often what I said, you too. But this year, I actually wished somebody, not just my girlfriend, but uh, it was the pizza delivery man, actually, if you're interested. I actually wished him a happy new year. And it felt very normal. It felt like the right thing to do. Uh, I do hope he has a happy new year. I mean, it can't be much worse than the last uh, two years, can it, with COVID and all these uh, lockdowns and what have you. So, uh, yeah, Happy New Year, I said, and felt good for it. And uh, it got me thinking, why do Jehovah's Witnesses not celebrate or recognise New Year? I mean, I get why you wouldn't do Christmas, uh, pagan backgrounds, etc. Um, but New Year, why don't they celebrate New Year or even acknowledge that it's a new year? And it's to do with superstition, I've not looked into it a lot, but I found an Awake article from 2002, 8th of January, page 20. And it just made me laugh, to be honest. It says, uh, even today, superstitious rituals play a part in New Year's festivities. And then it goes on to mention some of these terrible superstitious rituals that, you know, we'd obviously want to avoid as God's only chosen people. Uh, they include, for example, in some areas of South America, many welcome the new year while standing on their right foot. You couldn't make this up, could you? Uh, others sound horns and set off firecrackers. Goodness me. And according to a Czech custom, uh, New Year's Eve is a time for eating lentil soup. Wow. Don't get involved with lentil soup, folks. Um, that really is superstitious and bad. Uh, meanwhile, a Slovak uh, tradition has people placing money or fish scales under the tablecloth. There you go. So um, there's Awake pointing out some excellent reasons not to celebrate the new year. But I uh, I did. Well, I, I said Happy New Year and I uh, stayed up and watched the fireworks and uh, had two Happy New Year's this year around. So that's uh, that's basically my update of 2021. Uh, it's been an interesting year. I've left Jehovah's Witness for good. I came out as an apostate. I started an XJW podcast and website. 
I got divorced, I went through therapy, and finally at the end of all of that, I met the most wonderful person that I'm in love with and uh, that I'm looking to share a future with. So lots of things to look forward to in 2022. I do hope you have uh, a good new year as well and uh, that things are great for you. That's all from me this time. Thanks for joining me. Bye for now.